Smartcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, all right, all right. We are off and running with week seven of the WannaBet podcast. How's everybody doing out there? As always, I am your co-host, David Schiff, amateur better, uh, superior, and I'm here with my co-host, my colleague, my compatriot, the one and only Miles V. Miles V. How are you, buddy? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, I am coming back from a week of golf, poker, sports betting, good food, and good times in Nevada. Thanks to my man, Sean, for hosting me on what was an extremely enjoyable trip. I felt like I was young again. I mean, David, you should have been there. I am always living vicariously through you. It sounds like you had an amazing time. You had me with poker, golf, and food. I was here grinding and out in L.A., but, uh, you know, we had a lot of bets on the line. So it was an exciting weekend of football and other things, was it not? Yeah, fortunately, the uh, the poker room had television sets. So I was able to catch some of the games, but I didn't watch in my normal man cave with uh, NFL Red Zone catching every single score. But before we get into it, I did want to spend a couple minutes discussing, you know, the sports betting strategy that I've been putting forward this season. Uh, it's been it's a well-known strategy, and that is betting the home underdogs. We've been talking about it every podcast. This has not only been effective this year in the NFL, betting the home underdogs. It's been effective in college football, too. And if we look at last week alone in the NFL, just as a sample, not only are the home underdogs covering the spread, David, but four times they outright won their games against their opponents who were expected to win. I mean, we have the Falcons beat the 49ers, the Giants beat the Ravens, the Steelers beat Tampa Bay. Did that really happen? Apparently so. And you had the Seahawks beat Arizona. Well, all four of those games, you know, came in with the home underdog. And so there's got to be something to this theory. And it's not to say it works all the time. I mean, Miami lost their game to Minnesota. Kansas City lost to Buffalo. I mean, but these home underdogs are coming in at a decent clip. And it's decent enough for me to establish, you know, the uh, lesson one and one A that I that I said last podcast, which to remind you, lesson one, stop betting against home underdogs. And lesson two, or one A, if you will, start trusting this theory and actually bet on the home underdogs to win. Last week, I went with lesson one and avoided betting against any of the home underdogs because I didn't like the slate. And I did not institute Lesson 1A, which was to start trusting it and bet on them. And look what happened. So this week, there's three new home underdogs to consider. And that's going to be the Washington Commanders, praise be, 
versus the Green Bay Packers, the Carolina Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'll discuss more when we get into our picks for this week. So let me ask you a question, because you normally hear in betting circles that home field is worth three points, that that home field advantage, eating home-cooked field, home-cooked meals, sleeping in your bed is really what sets up a home team. They're playing in front of the home crowd, the energy. Do you believe that it's home field, home crowd, home cooking, sleeping in your bed that really does it? Or what, what do you attribute to the success of you know, your rule one and one A? I think it's a ton of factors, and I, I can't really narrow it down to one. I mean, it's certainly uh, could be a, a combination of a lot of what you're saying. But I think it's just when you're the home team, you're expected to win or you're at least expected to put forth uh, a different kind of game. And, you know, when you're the underdog, you know, you're kind of coming in with a chip on your shoulder in your own in your own house. And, you know, it was watching it in college football the day before on Saturday, where a lot of these home underdogs were covering the spreads and some outright winning. I mean, you saw what happened with Tennessee and Alabama. Amazing game. It's just one of those things that you got to keep an eye on for trends. And we've been spotting the trend, but not necessarily savvy enough to be making money on the trend. So maybe we'll start making some money on the trend. Yeah, and you're right. I think you really hit on something by saying that home teams who are underdogs come into that stadium with a chip on their shoulder. How dare you make me an underdog in my own stadium? We're going to show you. We're playing fast and loose. Here we go. So you may be right. You may be onto something. Maybe we'll start using that a little bit more specifically and effectively as we go forward. Let's get into it a little bit. As a reminder here on the Wanna Bet podcast, Miles and I bet $1,000 worth of bets every week, primarily on the NFL. We have to make at least three bets, and each bet has to be a minimum of $100. So we start the podcast, as always, looking back towards the bets we made last week and assessing what went right, what went wrong, where we're at, what's going on. We're going to crown a winner in just a minute. Miles, how'd you do last week? Listen, last week, I'm really happy with how I did. I hit two out of my three bets, and I was, you know, made money over the week, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Yeah! Uh, I'll talk about each of those, actually. The first bet I had was the Jets plus seven, uh, and that was at a minus 105, and that was 420 to win 400. And that spread actually moved during the week to plus seven and a half. And while I was in Nevada, I betted it plus seven and a half. But turns out I didn't need those seven and a half points at all because the Jets won outright. Look, I think I've watched enough Green Bay to recognize that they are not a strong team and should not be giving a lot of points, especially a touchdown. Two weeks ago, they gave the New York Giants eight points and lost. This week, they gave the Jets seven and a half points and lost. The Jets are sneaky good, and the Packers are sneaky overrated. So I'm tempted to bet against them again this week, uh, but I just fear that three losses in a row for Green Bay is likely to set off a huge alarm, and I don't know if betting gods are going to be with me. So this game was close for the first half, uh, despite the Jets getting a defensive touchdown and having it called back early in the first quarter. But special teams made up for it later, and they blocked a punt, returned that for a touchdown. And it's the Jets' defense that's keeping them in games. So I was super happy to see that the Jets took a two-touchdown lead. And with those seven points that I had, I was feeling pretty confident. So that 420 came in, 
and uh, I was able to win my big bet. Great bet for you. And do you happen to know if you had bet the money line, what the money line would have paid? Because that would have been a nice payoff for you. I didn't look, but I think, you know, when you're starting the bet in the plus seven range, it's probably like a plus 220, plus 260. I mean, it's starting to get up there. So I, I, that's like the, the two for one on your on your money. Now, haven't we instituted your rule number two, which is any opponent of Green Bay that has a plus greater than one, that's an automatic bet. Is that now law? Yeah, I guess if I have a lesson one, one and one A, maybe that needs to be lesson two this year. I don't know. Yeah, Green Bay is just, it's a mystery to me. They're befuddling the watch. Everyone expected so much more out of them. A lot of people thought they'd be the best in the NFC North, and they just are not clicking on any cylinder. So, Yeah, I don't know that that NFC championship game of Green Bay-Tampa Bay is really uh, forming well these days. Both of those teams are struggling. Yeah, no, it's a good thing that in week one you asked who I thought would represent the NFC, and I said no one in the NFC North, and I thought maybe it would be uh, the Eagles who are, are showing to be a pretty pretty tough customer. You pocketed 820 on that bet. Yeah. So uh, good, good for you. I, I did. So, yeah, one more bet comes in, and I'm positive in the money. But so – Let's talk about the one that didn't come in, and that was the KC-Buffalo game. I bet the over 54. You know, I thought that those two high-powered teams were going to score 54. And look, I missed this bet. I won't make any excuses. 54 is a lot of points. But I'll tell you, these two teams do have the capacity to get there. I mean, ultimately, they put up 44 of those 54. And what the scoreboard didn't say is that each team had a turnover in the red zone during the first quarter. Yeah. And Buffalo was first in goal and they couldn't put it in when they had four downs and couldn't get it in later on in the game. And there was a KC missed field goal to boot. So, I mean, I count at least 20 points that were left off the board, possibly 24. And if you're really conservative and you think everything was going to be a field goal, that's 12 points left off the board. This... Had the, this could have come in very easily. So I'm not upset with my thinking on it. Just didn't work out. Uh, there was ample way for, for that one to come in. Yeah, I was watching this game. It was one of the two marquee matchups, the other one being the Eagles-Dallas. And it was funny because when both of the teams had their turnovers in the first quarter, I thought, oh, no, that is not a good thing for Miles and his overbet. But then in the last, like, 90 seconds of the first half, Gabe Davis makes an incredible kind of over-the-shoulder catch from Josh Allen – uh scoring a touchdown there was only 10 points scored up to that point so that put another seven on the board 16 seconds left in the half kansas city gets the ball they go three plays and kick a 61 yard field goal so suddenly in like in the last 90 seconds another 10 points go on the board and i thought oh boy well maybe that's a good omen for the over but just some tight defense in the second half i looked there was over 800 yards of offense in this game it just didn't translate into the points that you needed. Yeah, and that's going to happen from time to time. And like I said, I don't think I really misjudged. It just didn't go my way, and I accept it. But I did have another over bet, and that was my third bet, and that was Dallas-Philadelphia, and that one did go my way. Uh, that was uh, the over-under was 42 points, and I bet $250 to win 227 and that came in. Um you know, you warned me last week, this game, you thought, well, there's two good defenses and they're clashing against each other and that might be hard to score. And, you know, you're not wrong. Both teams do have good defenses. It's just they also have really good offenses. 
And, you know, when a one-dimensional team that only has defense plays another one-dimensional team that only has defense, you get the Broncos-Bears Thursday night game where no one scores. (laughs) But when you get teams that have good defenses and good offenses, you know, it's not that hard to put up 21 points. And here the Eagles, they put up 26. Uh, Dallas put up their 17. You know, you could argue that 43 is just over 42, and it came in by the skin of my teeth. But I don't think you need to argue that. I think that's pretty much a fact. <laughs> that's not a subjective thing. Look, Dallas kept it close, uh, you know, and, and they, they probably, I mean, they missed a field goal at the end. They could have put up more points. But I was I was happy once it cashed in the, in the fourth quarter, and I looked at myself and said, this is great. This is uh, two out of three wins, and I think that put me up about another $300 on the week which is right where I was last week. So if you're a listener and you're wondering, should I be listening to Miles betting advice? So far this year, I've won money four out of our six weeks and have cashed the last three weeks in a row. So I think I've spotted some trends. I feel good about my action. And perhaps uh, you, the listener, ought to start thinking about copying some of the bets I'm putting down. Yeah, you finished the week with 1297. So it was a nice showing for you. And going back to the game, it is funny because you won the game that I thought you were going to lose on the over and you lost the game that I thought you were going to win on the over. And this was also an interesting game in that we were both on it uh, with different bets. And we both liked that Philadelphia touchdown in the fourth quarter. I had to sweat the rest of the game, but we'll get to that in just a second. So nice job for miles. He finishes uh, with two out of three wins. And as he said, a positive bank of $1,297, but he did not win. So I had uh, my best week. I'll just throw that out there. And it was sort of an interesting week because if you remember, if you were one of our loyal uh, listeners, you will remember that I started out the podcast last week talking about a couple of bets that I like, but I wasn't going to make because of the timing of the podcast. So we're recording on Wednesday. One of those bets was the money line on the Padres game two against the Dodgers. Hugh Darvish was pitching in L.A., Padres were plus 130. I liked that bet. Padres came in. Uh, They then went on to win the series, which was even more fantastic. And I also liked the under on the Commanders, praise be, uh, Bears Thursday night game, which I think was like 26 points or something, 19 points. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, You know, it was 12 to 7. Washington won 12 to 7. The under was 38. Both of those bets would have come in. I didn't bet it because it was Thursday night football. Now, normally when that happens and you've got two early bets that would have come in and you did your woulda, coulda, shoulda, and you decided not to make those bets, you think, oh my goodness, I am not going to have a good week. Uh, I did have a good week, but before I get into that, I also want to give a quick shout out to our most loyal listener, Fletch Fanatic. Poker compatriot David Siegel, who jumped into the waters with us and put down four bets of his own. He had a pretty good week. So I just want to give him a shout out that he had the Bengals minus two and a half over the Saints, 240 to win 218. That was a savvy bet because they won 30 to 26. He won 458 on that. He also had Indianapolis minus two over Jacksonville, 220 to win 200. He won 420 there. And then two losses. He had Arizona Seattle over 50 and a half. Uh, well, they scored 26. It was 19 to 7. They didn't come anywhere near that over. Uh, 330 to win 300. And he did lose, as did many, many other people. He had San Francisco on the money line over the Falcons, $225 bet. As we know, Atlanta 
doubled up on San Francisco winning 28 to 14. So Siegel was two for four, but we love him for jumping in. We want to see his bets uh, again next week. We love you, Dave Siegel. Yeah, I saw that he put in his bets via Facebook and loved it. And I thought, oh, that's San Francisco bet. I, I must have overlooked that. And I went ahead and bet that while I was in Nevada and uh, and lost with him. But I did have the good sense to bet that Thursday night over when I got – or the Thursday night under on the uh, on the Bears commanders. I, I knew, like you said, it just is not going to be a high-scoring fest. So I, I made a little cash there myself. I think the words Chicago Bears and under need to be inexorably connected to each other because that is a T that is having trouble scoring. Um, all right. So let's move on to my bets. Uh, Miles, can you just remind me, what is rule number one for you? Yeah. Rule number one, stop betting against home underdogs. Okay, so I bet against a home underdog. <laughs> I bet Baltimore. How'd that work out for you, David? Well, not great. Uh, I bet Baltimore minus five and a half uh, over the Giants, 220 to win 200. Now, halfway through the fourth quarter, I was pretty happy. Baltimore was up 20 to 10. They were sort of cruising along. And then, as so often happens in some of these NFL games, the wheels just sort of came off in a slow-motion car wreck. The Ravens had two fourth-quarter turnovers. They had a, um, a sack and a fumble, which led to a score, and then just a horrible sequence of events at the end where they had, like, third and one. They made the first down, but there was a penalty because they lined up wrong. They got pushed back. It was third and six. Then a bad snap. Jackson goes back to get the snap. He panics, throws a terrible interception. Uh, the Giants take it down and they score the the touchdown that ultimately puts them over the top to win the game, twenty four to twenty. And literally in the span of like ten minutes, I, I was like, "What happened to that game?" Um, but you know what? The Giants are finding ways to win games. They're five and one. All of a sudden, people are excited about football in New Jersey in the Meadowlands because both of those teams are doing well. That game did not come in well for me. Oh, that didn't pan out. Yeah, all New York teams right now are five and one when you count Buffalo in the mix. So New York has a very strong showing this year in the NFL. And Baltimore's such a weird team to try to handicap. They're three and three, and they've blown late game leads in all three of their losses. They gave up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, to Miami. They blew a 17-point game. They blew a 17-point lead against Buffalo. In this game, they outgained the Giants by 160 yards and managed to lose outright. Maybe it's like poker, and there's the guy that has the big stack but doesn't know how to use it. They don't, they don't know how to close games out with the lead, and they keep surrendering them. I don't know. They shouldn't have lost the game, but they definitely should have lost the the spread, you know, and I think that's another lesson is to stop playing against the home underdogs they cover. I was just going to say I might need a, another primer on rule number one, do not bet against the home underdog. But luckily for me, that was not my big bet. My big bet was the money line on the New England Patriots over the Cleveland Browns. They were at plus 130. So my bet was 340 to win 442, and they pulled away late. You can't stop Bailey Zappi and Ramondre Stevenson. You can only hope to control them. They dominated. Uh, you know, Cleveland, this is a game, I have to say, where I feel like I handicapped exactly right in that New England was going in with a solid, I would say, improving defense, a game-managing quarterback who is not going to lose you games, playing against 
a Cleveland team with an erratic quarterback who had a couple of turnovers. They really, the New, New England Patriots, stepped on the neck of the Cleveland Browns in the second half. They outscored them 28-9. to And if there's one stat that's really telling about this game is that Nick Chubb only had 56 yards rushing. So kudos to the Patriots' defense for really, you know, keeping an eye on Chubb, keeping him in check, and winning this game pretty easily. So I'm beginning to think that the brown daddy might not be Nick Chubb, and whoever it was that wrote our review is someone else, but (laughs) call me crazy. Um, Aside from that, New England is just such a Jekyll and Hyde team to watch this year. You just don't know who's going to show up. They, They win some games you don't expect them to win. They lose some games you don't expect them to lose. I mean... I don't know. They're they're possibly going to be a playoff contender, but you would be equally not surprised if they end up being out of the race. So I, I, you've been very fortunate when the times that you've been on them, they seem to be coming through for you. Well, I think I did bet them with the Lions on an over at a week that the Lions scored zero points. So maybe they're just sort of trending upward. And give Belichick credit. He's a defensive guy and he knows how to scheme a defense and there's enough offense there. Uh, you know, the question is, are, do they have a quarterback controversy now? Is Mac Jones jumping right back into that starting job? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And, and uh, you know, it's Wednesday today, so there's still going to be a lot of uh, unknowns for the week that we'll learn more about as, as we get closer. So that was my second bet. I bet 340 to win 442. Uh, so that put uh, $782 in my bank. And my third game, going back to the Eagles-Dallas, I had the Eagles minus four and a half. So at 26 to 17, I also won that bet. And like I said, that Philadelphia touchdown did two things for us. It gave me the spread and it gave you the over. And of course, I had to sweat it out because they started out, uh, you know, with a 20 to three lead and then gave up 17 unanswered points. But, but let's be honest, you... You got that spread at four and a half, which was early in the week. That one moved to, I think, six and a half. So while you were sweating it, there were a lot of other people that were really sweating it. I mean, they really needed uh, that that missed field goal at the end to, to come in uh, to play, which would not have affected you. You're absolutely right. This was a bad week for Cooper Rush. Three interceptions and credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles and the Bills are the two best teams on both sides of the ball. And they've got Jalen Hurts as a little bit of an X factor. They've got enough weapons on offense. They've got a stout defense. They are a legitimate 6-0 team, and I think they're going to be there at the end. I agree with you. And we called it early, and we'll see if if that pans out. And if it does, that's a pretty damn good call because I rarely get that right at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. So this game was... My second highest bet, just by a short, close margin, I put 840 into my bank, and that gave me $1,622 for the week. I went two for three, plus my two woulda, coulda, shouldas, uh, the Padre game and the under. So my best week, which was really, really nice to see after my uh, silver sombrero the week before, I closed the gap. Uh, in terms of bank, you have five thousand ninety-six dollars in your bank after six weeks. I have forty-two eighty-five, and we are even at three weeks apiece. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, what I like most about this week, though, is that both of us had winning weeks. 
Okay. I mean, you could have followed either of our advice and you would have made money. And that's really what I like to see out of this is that we're looking at these games, we're analyzing them, giving out information that is useful. So kudos to both of us for having a good week. But we do need to discuss Don. Okay. Our uh, Donnie Wheels also had a good week. And in fact, he's clearly the winner overall forever because he made a huge bet that came in. He did a three-team parlay on the money line with three underdogs, two of them, by the way, being home underdogs. He picked Atlanta, he picked the Giants, and he picked New England all to win without the points, and his $100 bet paid $1,682. Donnie Wheels, unbelievable, fantastic, congratulations. What's great about Don's bet is that he has the receipts to show it. He sent us a picture of the bet he actually made, which was that bet, a little bit of a different price, but he was able to cash because betting is legal where he lives in Arizona. So Don's got a little bit of extra pocket change uh, based upon that bet. And if he bet his other bets as well, he also would have done well. He, uh, He took the bills where he cashed. And he took the Seahawks money line, which was another home dog. And all he missed was the Dallas-Philadelphia game. He had Dallas while you had Philadelphia. And uh, and that was Don. So Don was net positive. That's three weeks in a row. And don't forget you two can make your bets by going to our Twitter at Podcast. We'd love to see what you're thinking. Donnie Wheels won a bet. Good for him. I like to think that he maybe listens to our podcast and is taking the lesson one advice about stop betting against home underdogs and maybe taking 1A and betting on the home underdogs. He clearly uh, made money by going by, by listening to our, to our t- tenants of sports betting. Well, good for him. Uh, so speaking of tenants of our betting, let's turn our attention to week seven. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is not a great week of football games. Before we get into that, as a reminder, we now put a thousand more dollars into our bank. We're going to use that thousand dollars to make a series of bets. What do you think, Miles? We've got so many home favorites, big time home favorites. There's at least, I'm looking at seven games here where the home team is at least a six point favorite. Cincinnati minus six over Atlanta, Dallas minus seven over Detroit, Baltimore minus six over Cleveland. The Raiders minus seven over Houston, Miami minus seven over Pittsburgh, the Chargers minus six over Seattle, New England minus eight over Chicago. And that just says to me, these aren't necessarily going to be competitive games. Who knows? But you don't have those couple of marquee games like you did last week with Kansas City, Buffalo, Dallas, Philadelphia, even even the primetime games, Pittsburgh, Miami on Sunday night, um, Chicago, New England on, on Monday, on Monday, they're just kind of blah. They are, and a lot of those games that you mentioned, I'm staying away from the home favorite. I think that there's a lot of points that are being given, and I, I just don't love the matchups. I do think, though, in honor of New England playing Chicago, that we should put on the line a little something for this week, and that would be some Chicago-style pizza. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there's a famous eatery in Chicago called Gino's East, which happened to have opened up a location out here in Los Angeles. And I would be up for a little road trip if you would, if we put that on the line. What do you think? 
I love it. We took a little week off from punishments because you were traveling and my mustache was crawling all over my face. But I'm I am down for some good Gino's pizza. Uh, let's do it. Hopefully you're buying, but let, let's put it on the line and you're going to see who wins. Uh, we're going to post some pictures at the podcast at one of that podcast on Twitter. Yeah, I almost forgot about your Fredo mustache. How did that work out for you? Well, I was uh, arrested three times. Uh, I have a couple of TROs put out against me. Uh, children were running in fear. My, my, my children didn't recognize me. Uh, it was a horrible week. Uh, I don't know how you got away with uh, losing a week of one of that and not having a bet on the line, but that's just had to do with travel schedules and all that. So we're going to put that behind us. We're going to move on. What do you like in this not-so-spectacular week seven? What's your first bet? All right. Well, my first bet, you're not going to like too much because I'm betting against your favorite team. And I'm taking the Seahawks plus six and a half against the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers. I'm doing it for 440 to win 400. Um, Look, I locked it in. The line's already moved down a half a point. So the sharp money is coming in on Seattle. And for good reason. Seattle is quietly becoming the front runner in the NFC West, a division thought to be dominated by the Rams or the Niners. Look, I watched that Charger game Monday night. They're playing the classic San Diego Charger style of finding ways to lose, you know, or winning by less than one score, thereby missing the cover. I mean, Monday night they just they couldn't put them away. Uh, they, you know, they they kept. Denver in the game and had to go to overtime. I, I thought the Chargers would be a lot better this year, and they're not. Uh, and I actually thought the Seahawks would be a lot worse this year, this year. I thought they'd be dreadful, and they're not. So I'm taking the points here and hoping that the short week will negatively affect the Chargers. And look, although I'd like to see the Padres in the World Series, I'm beginning to think that sports comes in streaks for cities and maybe the Padres and the Chargers, you know, are kind of in the same streak right now, even though the Chargers are L.A., but I still think of them as San Diego. And this just might not be the year for the Padres and Chargers. So I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks. San Diego as a city is probably in a 50 or 60 year bad streak of sporting uh, results, but that's okay. You stay classy, San Diego. Now, just to defend my Chargers a little bit, they are tied for first in the AFC West. They are four and two against the spread this year. They've been battling through Herbert's rib injury. They're managing to win games. I think this game is going to come down to the rushing of the Chargers, which I hope and I believe is on the upswing a little bit. The last three games, Austin Eckler has really woken up and their rushing average is over 130 yards a game. The first two or three games, it was terrible. And the Seahawks have a terrible rushing defense, one of the worst in the league. And as a team, they give up over 400 yards in defense. So the question I think that you're going to have to battle through is whether the Seattle defense can contain the Chargers offense enough to cover the spread. I feel six and a half is just a little much. And that when the Chargers win, it's by three or less. So I'm not even saying the Chargers are going to win, but if they do, I think it's going to be in the same fashion that they won Monday night, which is a field goal, you know, at the end to, to, to walk it off. All right. Well, you've got your, your logic. You're not wrong in a lot of those things. So we'll see how it plays out. My big bet 
this week is I am taking Tennessee minus two and a half over Indianapolis at minus 115, which means I have to bet 460 to win 400. A couple of things about this game. As you get six or seven weeks into the NFL season, it becomes a war of attrition. We're at a point now where our starting quarterbacks are P.J. Walker and Bailey Zappi and Cooper Rush, and there's so many injuries and health becomes an issue. Advantage Tennessee, they're coming off their bye week. So they are well-rested. They are playing uh, a Indianapolis Colts team that did win last week. Matt Ryan had to throw 58 passes to do it. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor, who is practicing, as I've seen, but will be playing on a gimpy ankle. So I believe that Tennessee is trending upwards. They're 3-0 and straight up and against the spread in their last three games. They've already beaten Indianapolis this season. They're playing at home. I am happy that this game is two and a half points instead of three points. I think that they come in with rest, momentum. I like them at home to cover the points. I love this bet, David. I'm not going to lie to you. I was thinking about this bet. I actually made this bet while I was in Vegas when the new week came out. This was one of the first things I did. So I, I, I can't dispute any of what you're saying. I think, yes, today it's at minus 115. I think as it gets closer to the actual kickoff. It'll go back to minus 10, but they're going to be giving three or three and a half. I think everyone's going to be jumping on the Titans. So uh, I saw you were making this bet, and and I, I applaud you and want to make it with you, but I'm I'm going different. I wanted to do three different bets than yours. But I when this one comes in, uh, you know, I'll, you can have a slice of my pizza. We can both rejoice. Praise be. May the force be with you. All right, well. I'll get into my second pick, which uh, in this case is Miami and Pittsburgh. I'm taking the under 44 and a half. Unders have been coming in hot in the NFL, okay, much more so than overs. And while it's fun to have the over and the score hits early like it did for me in the Philadelphia-Dallas game, you know, you can you can then rejoice that you've won. Unders, it's a little bit harder. But 44 and a half points is a lot to come by this year. Now, look, I don't know who's quarterbacking for either team between Miami and Pittsburgh. I mean, Miami might be calling back Josh Rosen at this point, or maybe Dr. Rosen, or Dr. Rosen Penis. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like Tua might be, you know, taking back the job, which is a mixed bag, right? He's been out a bit, maybe needs some time to get reacclimated. Maybe he's suffering from PTSD and won't be as effective. I don't know. So whether it's a Miami backup or Tua, I don't think they're going to be as explosive as they were to start the season. And the same with Pittsburgh. Is Trubisky back in the mix? Is Pickett going to pass his concussion protocol? It's Wednesday. We don't know who's quarterbacking, but I don't care, right? Either way, this is going to be just a lot of uncertainty. And to me, uncertainty means it's going to be not as good a play and not going to score 44 and a half points. So, I think the defenses are good enough to cause problems for whoever's going to be quarterback. And I'm thinking this is a low scoring affair. I'm taking the under. Two is the X factor. I think you're absolutely right. With two at quarterback, they're averaging over 28 points a game. With Adam, they're averaging about 20. So if he's back, if he can jump in there quickly and get the rust off and start playing, 
you might have issues if it's a typical Pittsburgh offense of Trubisky or Pickett, whoever, where they can barely score 16 points a game, and it takes Miami a while to get going, I think you're going to be looking good on this bet. What's your second bet, David? My second bet, speaking of some bad games involving the Chicago Bears, which is pretty much all of them, I am taking the New England Patriots minus eight over Chicago, 330 to win $300. This is going to be a barn burner on Monday night. As we have discussed uh, more than once on this podcast, the Chicago Bears are the worst to-win team in football. They are scoring just over 15 points a game. They are going into a primetime game against a very tough New England defense who will make things miserable for Justin Fields. And last Thursday, Chicago scored seven points. They were 0 for 3 in the red zone, 1 for 4 on fourth down. They are just a bad, bad offense. They're 0 and 3 on the road. And New England is going to have enough firepower to cover what is arguably a large spread at eight points. I'm not really sweating this game. I think that uh, New England is going to pull away early. They're going to win by 14. Chicago playing in prime time is a bad thing for a young, rushed quarterback who's already playing a little bit deer in headlights. I don't think the Monday night atmosphere is good for him. They lose. They lose big. Interesting. I think... Eight points is just enough to make me feel uncomfortable. Uh, certainly, you've been riding the Patriots, and, and they've been doing well for you, so I understand uh, continuing to back them, and you probably watched a lot of their game. I didn't watch much of the game, so I, I don't really know how explosive they are on offense. Um, I, I did catch that Chicago uh, Thursday night game, which was really anemic, and so I don't have a lot of faith in them, but Eight points to me, uh, you know, I feel like uh, Belichick's the type of guy that once he gets up by seven, he plays conservative, and it's a lot of clock management and punting and doing the safe conservative things. So um, if they win by seven, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I'm not to say that they're not capable of being blown out. A lot of people have blown out the Bears. So it'll be uh, not a riveting game to watch, but I think it'll be interesting of whether or not it gets to be around the eight points. We'll see. I like New England here. What's your next bet? So this is my last bet, and this is me employing lesson one and lesson one A, and I am stop betting against the home underdogs, and I am now trusting myself and picking a home underdog. And as I mentioned earlier, there's three to pick from. It's either the Commanders versus Green Bay, and I've already said I, I don't know about three weeks in a row against Green Bay, so I'm avoiding that one. It's Carolina versus the Bucks, or it's the Niners versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs just got beat by the Bills, so I'm, I don't like that spot for them. So I'm taking Carolina plus 11 against Tampa Bay. Look, it's the home dog. I'm going with my theory here. You know... This bet's kind of similar or reminds me to earlier this year where I took Pittsburgh plus 14, thinking 14 points, this will be great. But they were playing the Bills, and they got slaughtered. But the difference here is two things. One, Carolina is the home dog where Pittsburgh was on the road. So that's something. And two, 
Tampa Bay is not blowing anybody out these days, okay? They lost last week when they shouldn't have. Brady is having to get rid of the ball early. Tampa Bay looks kind of like the Chargers and the Packers when it comes to these close games and not being able to separate from their opponents. So I'm thinking Carolina finds a way to lose by less than 11 points. I'm going with the theory that I've been preaching during this podcast, and that's Carolina, I believe it is 220 to win 200. Do you care that P.J. Walker is the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? I don't care if Sam Darnold's the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, and I hear that he is actually practicing. Interesting, because the Carolina offense last week was anemic. They had 60 yards passing, no offensive touchdowns. They had a pick six for their only score. Uh, Sorry, pick six for their only touchdown. They did have a field goal. No points in the second half. Christian McCaffrey was about 75% of their offense in terms of rushing and receiving. They were a huge underdog against the Rams, and the Rams covered. Yeah, I I know it's a lot of points, but boy, if it's P.J. Walker taking snaps, I don't know where they're getting their offense. And I think that Tom Brady is pissed. By the way, Tom Brady is so pissed. He's throwing tantrums. He's yelling at everybody. Is he becoming a distraction to his team And in addition to his divorce and what's going on? It's like he's just losing his mind at 45. It's crazy. All of these old quarterbacks are losing their mind. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't look the same. You know, uh, Matt Ryan doesn't look the same. I'm I'm anti-old quarterback. I'm saying out with the old, in with the new, and that Tom Brady is not going to be – even if he does get a lead, this is this is a classic backdoor cover situation where Carolina scores a useless touchdown in the end to lose by nine instead of 16. That I could see happening. All right, so you've made your bets for the week, and I've got one more. So my last bet is a little bit of a flyer. I had $210 left. Do you know the only team that is perfect against the spread this year, Miles? I do, because I thought about taking them that this week, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. They are 6-0 and against the spread, so I'm going to take them minus 6 over Cincinnati, 210 to win 191. They started with a close loss against New Orleans, then they had a close loss against the Rams. They are just a really, really hard team to predict and handicap, but they somehow managed to get the job done and cover the spread. I did a little digging into this. Cincinnati is three and three. They are the AFC defending championship champions. Do you know who they've beat this year? These are the three quarterbacks that Cincinnati has beat. They beat Joe Flacco, who was playing for Zach Wilson on the Jets. They beat Tua slash Teddy Bridgewater when Tua went out and Bridgewater came in when he had his concussion. And they beat Andy Dalton playing for the Saints. Those are the three quarterbacks that they have beat this year, which is not impressive to me. I just, I'm going to ride the Falcons magic on covering the spread and taking those points with the six points. I think they maybe lose by three or four, but I'm going to win this bet 210 to win 191. You know, the Falcons are a weird team. I don't know how they're six and zero against the spread. I don't, I mean, that has to stop at some point. They're not going to just keep, being undefeated against the spread. But I don't know if it's not – they don't have any skill players. They've got Cordell Patterson's injured. they got Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. 
They've got Kyle Pitts, who showed up to one out of their six games this year. I, I, I just I don't know if it's the coaching that's good. There's there's something. It's not the players. It's the coaching. And you think you know Atlanta. That's the stadium. You know that where they play on Sunday. And what do they do? They put in. Uh, a Chick-fil-A in the stadium, which is closed on Sundays. How does that even work? Like, that's succeeding in spite of yourself right there. This is a team that's coming off an outright win of the 49ers, 28-14, to at home. So they are doing something right. Again, didn't have a lot of money left in the bank. Just went with the team that can't lose against the spread. I like them to do it one more week. I'm not scared by the, the Bengals. You're riding the hot hand, and sometimes that's the way to go. So we'll see how that one works for you. So those are my bets. I've got Tennessee minus two and a half over in Indianapolis, New England minus eight over the Bears on Monday night, and Atlanta minus six over Cincinnati. They are magic to continue covering against the spread. I like it. I'm excited for this week, even though the games aren't spectacular. What are you going to do? Well, I know what I'm going to do, and that is I'm going to sit at home in my man cave and put on the red zone, and this is the week I'm going to watch every game. So very excited about it. Glad that we're coming off uh, a little hot streak of our own. Let's uh, keep this going. Absolutely. Let's ride our momentum in the second half of the season. We have turned the corner. We're doing well. Stay with us, everybody. Learn. uh, We may even get to a Rule 2 or Rule 3 in a couple of weeks. Like That's how exciting this has been for our listeners. All right. Well, I'm signing off, my man. I love your body, Larry, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. All right, everybody. Peace out. Enjoy the week. Take care. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electricast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's his dad? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.